Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I am Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. That is right. This is episode... Which episode is this? Episode four of season two, I believe. Yeah. And what are we talking about for today's episode? The working title and early development of the animated films Cars and Wally, and another from Disney Animation, Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, so for anyone who has created anything, really, you might know that the final version of something you see is rarely the original idea, that there's a lot of changes between that first idea to the final thing that you see, in this case, on the screen. So these movies that you mentioned, they have very interesting stories, we think, of how they went from genesis of that idea to the final products that we see on the screen. So we're going to dig into that, provide a little little history lesson about these movies. But before we get started, we thought that we would start off with a word of the day. It's time for word of the day, new words. You can say new words for your rhymes and for your wordplay. By the time you leave this video, you'll be smarter than you was before. It's time for word of the day. So today's word is tropes. What is the word trope? Tropes refers specifically to a common or often used theme or device. So, for example, a plot twist villain, as we discussed in the last episode, that would be a trope. Ezra, could you provide a couple of examples of what some tropes might be? Like princesses and princes. Right. So that's a common trope in Disney. What are some other tropes? Bunny sidekicks, comic relief characters. Right, exactly. So what are some examples of those? Timon and Pumbaa in The Lion King. That's a great one. Or Olaf and Frozen. Yeah, so those are great examples, I think, of what's a very common trope of the sidekick character. So speaking of characters, we also have a new segment that we're going to introduce that we're calling character parallels oh we've got lots in common where it really counts where it really so counts. ezra explain to us what do we do in this new segment of ours we talk about two different characters from two different movies who act in very similar ways and have similar character traits so we're looking for characters that you may not necessarily connect with each other but they often share a lot of similarities and that actually gets at this idea of what a trope is. So hopefully that will illustrate that. So for this segment, which two characters are we talking about? Sebastian from The Little Mermaid and Zazu from The Lion King. Nice. So tell us about what they have in common. They are the advisors and assistants to the kings. Sebastian, who works for King Triton, and Zazu, who works for Mufasa. And it's also their job to watch over king triton's son, daughter ariel for sebastian and watch over mufasa's son simba for zazu and they're also kind of worried and nervous and trying to make sure they're safe and they're not getting into any trouble and what do these two characters not have in common what differences do these two characters zazu's a bit more serious hardworking. sebastian's more positive and happy and fun loving in a way right so even though these two characters in some ways in their temperament i would say are very different. They serve very, very similar roles in their respective films. Yeah. Okay, so those are two characters that have a lot in common and also a lot of differences. And now I believe it's time for the feature presentation. So what we're discussing today 
are the early development of three animated movies, Cars, Wally, and Wreck It Ralph. Right. So let's start with Cars. Can you tell us what Briefly, what happened in the movie? Cars, which was originally released in the summer of 2006, was about a young race rookie race car named Lightning McQueen, who started off a little self-centered and didn't really have any friends, and he goes on a trip to win a trophy, which is a clever name in the Cars world, called Piston Cups, and to a race in California, but then on the way there he gets lost in the middle of nowhere to a small, forgotten town from the 50s on the old Route 66 called Radiator Springs and where he makes friends and learns some life lessons that although he might like like racing he knows that another important thing is friendship and where he meets Mater a friendly tow truck a beautiful Porsche named Sally an old retired racer which is revealed later the town doctor and judge named Doc Hudson voiced by Paul Newman which this was his last non-documentary film it was released two years before he passed away okay yeah, so that was the film that actually appeared on screens. But when the idea was first created back in 1998, it was very, very different. Could you tell us a little bit about that? It, the original idea for it when Pixar was wrapping up production on A Bug's Life, Jorgen Klubian began writing a new script called The Yellow Car, uh, which was uh, inspired by the classic Ugly Duckling fairy tale. The main character would have been an electric car living in a world that was dominated by gas guzzling cars. And because of that reason, he was going to be ostracized. So that was the original idea. And yeah, it was a Jor Jorgen Klubin. I hope I'm pronouncing that somewhat correctly. I think he's Danish. So he came up with the original idea in 1998 and it was slated actually to be released in 1999. But then Pixar started working on Toy Story 2 instead, and it got put on the back burner. But John Lasseter came up with the idea when he went on a road trip with his wife and his sons in 2000, and he saw cars to get the idea for the film. Yeah, so he went on this road trip, and they really completely revamped the story to what you say it is now. And then characters like Mater, Doc, and some others were given much bigger parts as a result. I know, and the original working title when it was when it was in production in 2001, when they were already finishing up Monsters Inc. and already developing Finding Nemo and The Incredibles, the original working title was Route 66 because it took place in Radiator Springs, a fictional town from the 1950s in Route 66, which it's supposed to look like old real towns. That's where it got the idea from. So actually, an interesting fact about the movie is that in researching for the film, Laster contacted a historian named Michael Wallace, and Wallace led 11 Pixar animators on two road trips on Route 66 just to do research for the film. He, Michael Wallace also was the voice of Sheriff in the movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, also, the movie when it was later changed to card to avoid confusion with the 1960s television series of the same name uh specifically it was changed from route 66 which was the name of a tv series uh, back in the 60s also because it's all about cars that talk and are being like people it seems more fitting too because it might take place on the iconic route 66 but it's not necessarily about route 66 it's about the cars that live in this universe yeah and all being like humans that was the original idea for Cars. 
again, it was first developed in 1998, but it wasn't actually, the movie itself wasn't actually released until 2006. Yeah, and one original idea from the film, when Lightning McQueen, the main character, was when he accidentally wrecked the main street road, he was originally going to have a nightmare that he was going to become a steamroller to when he was re sentenced to repave the road, which I thought was a little creepy and disturbing in a way, and I'm glad they changed it. <laughs> yeah, very good point. That's something you often see with a lot of movies is that they have deleted scenes or concepts that almost were made into scenes, but were scrapped at the last minute. I see another one was like Ramon tells Lightning of how he met Blow, the show car who runs the cafe. That did, however, become a picture book, I think, released in 2008 or 2009. And another one was the Radiator Springs Grand Prix, a race happening. But that was cut from the film. But it did, however, happen at the end of its sequel, Cars 2, released five years later. Yeah, so speaking of deleted scenes, there is Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph, which was released in November of 2012, was about a bad guy in a, in a fictional old school video game called Fix-It Felix Jr., a, a Donkey Kong-like game. And he's an outcast who's a bad guy and nobody likes him because of how his job's being a bad guy and he wants to be a good guy and he goes on a journey to a modern video game that's violent called Hero's Duty and then into crash lands into a racing game from the 90s made out of candy called Sugar Rush where he meets Vanellope Von Schweetz, a little girl in her game who's also an outcast because she's a glitch and nobody wants her around racing because of how she glitches and thinks that if she raced, the game would be shut down, mm -hmm. which was revealed later that it wasn't true. I see, I see. And then Ralph accidentally unleashes an enemy called the Cybugs from Hero's Duty, and he has to defeat it before the whole arcade is doomed. Yeah, so that was the final version of the film. But actually, the story of Wreck-It Ralph, it has a very, very long history extending all the way back to the late 1980s when it was originally originally called high score yes it was originally called high score and then it was later called joe jump by late in the 1990s that's correct and then mid 2000s called reboot ralph yeah so this movie had three different working titles and there's three different times that they tried to work on this idea and it just wasn't panning out unfortunately I looked around and there doesn't seem to be that many details about the original ideas for High Score and Joe Jump, but we do have a little bit of an idea of what the movie was going to be like as Reboot Ralph and the early versions of Wreck-It Ralph. So could you tell us a little bit about what the original idea was? Originally, the title character Ralph was not going to be so human-like originally. He was going to be look like different kinds of weird creatures mm -hmm. and originally... Fix-It Felix was going to be the main character. That's right. So that's a big thing. So Fix-It Felix Jr. was going to be the main character. He's the good guy in the video game. Yeah. And so he was also going to be the protagonist of the film. And it was going to be sort of this classic story of Fix-It Felix not wanting to go into the quote-unquote family business of being the good guy and wanting mm. to break out of, of that role. But as the movie and the script was being developed the screenwriters realized that actually Wreck-It Ralph was the more interesting and fun and entertaining character. And so they opted to use him as the main character instead. Yeah, and they decided to make him be the main character. And Sergeant Calhoun, the soldier woman from Hero's Duty, the second game in the film, 
she was originally going to be a male, but they decided to change it to female. Do you know why? I'm not sure why. It's interesting just to think about how, from its very earliest concept, it was going to be about video games. What would a movie like Wreck-It Ralph look like in the 1980s with video games of that time? It would look so 8-bit, so pixelated, because that's what video games were like back then. And just the amount of video games that existed was nowhere near how many games and characters exist now. And certainly video games themselves are a lot more popular now and well-known now than they were in the 80s or 90s or even early 2000s. Yeah. Also, it's fascinating to me because, you know, there's a term for this, development hell, when a movie is just stuck in development and it's just going nowhere. Yeah. And usually movies that are stuck in that kind of place end up not being so great just because there are so many different hands working on them. They pass through so many different writers that it just becomes a jumbled mess by the end. But at least in the case of Wreck-It Ralph, that wasn't so. Yeah. It was nominated, actually, for an Oscar for Best Animated Picture, right? But it lost to Brave, and I was really upset because I thought Wreck-It Ralph should have won. Similar to how I thought uh, Monsters, Inc. should have won, but Shrek won, and how I thought Cars should have won, but Happy Feet won, and some others that won, but I wanted something else to win. Right. So it's a very interesting story of just how this movie got put together and how it turned out, against all odds, to be a really great success and a really critically acclaimed film. But one thing before we move on to the final film, I had mentioned earlier that there was a deleted scene. So there's a scene that was originally in the movie and I and I think it was completely animated and everything before it was finally cut. It was where Ralph was going to end up in this world called Extreme Easy Living 2. So it's actually a satire on social media style gaming. And I think the writer or director described it as the Sims meeting Grand Theft Auto, which is a very interesting mashup. And some of it ended up becoming Slaughter Race in its sequel, Ralph Breaks the Internet, released six years later. So that's the thing. That's another interesting thing is that you'll see often that a lot of concepts that are cut from the original film or even scenes that are cut from the original film appear in one shape or form in sequels. Or later media. Right. So that's the case for like Toy Story, where a lot of the early concepts for Toy Story were cut, but they would make their way into the sequels toy story 2 and toy story 3 Three and 4 and 4 it's very interesting it's and i think that just goes to show the way that these ideas they're always germinating they're always building upon themselves and even if it doesn't end up in one draft or even one version of the film it might end up in a sequel or in a later version or what have you yeah so i think now it's time to talk about wally it was released in the summer of 2008, and it was about a lonely robot who lives on Earth in the future, all dystopian, all polluted and abandoned, where no humans live anymore because they live in cruises in space, and Wally's lonely, and he does trash compacting, mm-hmm. and there's no living trees or nature or anything except for one little tiny green plant that Wally finds, that he's, which is something he's never seen before in his life. And he finds it and puts it in a boot. And then a beautiful robot named Eve comes to Earth to look for any plants or anything. Wally instantly falls in love with her when he first sees her. And then 
The ship comes when Eve finds the plant, and then Wally follows her into space, and which leads them to an enormous space cruise liner called the Axiom. Right. Where Wally then sees all the humans who have become overweight and lazy and were barely able to move. And then there's especially the captain who was of the ship. And then when the plant comes, they they have to bring it to the to the hollow detector of the ship to bring it back to Earth and to plant it in the ground and bring back Earth's former glory. But there's the evil autopilot who plots on destroying the plant and so that the humans will never return to Earth. And it's up to Wally, the hero, to save everyone and bring things back the way they once were. All right, so that was the final version of the film, but what was the original idea like? The original title was Trash Planet, and Andrew Stanton convinced the idea back in the summer of 1984 with John Lasseter, Pete Doctor, and the late Joe Ramped, and when they were discussing new ideas for A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., and Finding Nemo. This was, I think, just around the time they were almost done with Toy Story. Yeah, and they were coming up with new ideas. Right. And I think Stanton specifically said that he was looking to make a story that was not as complex because Toy Story had dozens of characters and a like very winding plot. And it was a very it's a very complex story. In comparison, Wally, even the final version of Wally, is very straightforward. The robots don't have any dialogue. So the thing about the original idea of Wally is that, according to Stanton, the first act of the movie was basically the same from when he originally conceived it. But yeah. it was what happened after that that was very, very different. Instead of humans... There, there were going to be aliens, blob-like aliens, who are descendants of humans. Right, so there's these aliens that were called gels, which were basically similar in concept to the humans that we saw in the movie, where they were going to be blobs, transparent, pretty gross looking, and specifically, it was going to look like they were invading Earth. So they were they came to Earth, Eve was sent down to see if it was habitable, and yeah, what else was different? There was going to be a kingdom of them. Yeah, so there there was a literal castle, I think, actually, was going to be a centerpiece of the movie on this ship. And there, there was going to be royalty. And in fact, it was going to be revealed that the gels were descendants of humans that had basically evolved or in some senses de-evolved into these mm. blobbish forms. And it was going to be kind of like the twist ending of Planet of the Apes. Um, if any of you are familiar how that movie ends, is going to be the same thing. What was interesting is the reasons why Stanton specifically decided to start changing things. Like be an environmental dystopian tale? Yeah. Be a bit like 2001 A Space Odyssey in a way? How so? Like Otto, like there's the captain and then there's the ship and then there's Otto, the villain, who's kind of like HAL 3000. HAL 9000. 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey... And how he has a secret evil plan. Yeah, so I think there's an interesting kind of theme there, parallel there, with 2001, where there's this idea of, like, humanity versus technology. And clearly, the world of Wally has been decimated of all natural life. And it's a miracle when this one plant is found. 
and it's all about restoration of nature and returning of humanity to that relationship with nature yeah away from technology that has turned them lazy and overweight yeah and how things went too far over centuries right and i think actually that was part of why stanton started changing certain details is because he was concerned that people wouldn't be able to relate to the characters of the gels so he just started adding features that made them look more human-like so i think he he said that he first put on nose and ears on the gels so that the audience could recognize them yeah and then he added fingers legs clothes and other features until eventually they were just humans again and i think in my opinion that was a smart decision i agree with you and i'm glad they changed it what difference does it make that the human characters are actually humans rather than aliens what does that do for us when we're watching the movie it shows how world might become a an apocalypse or dystopia in the future expand on that like Why because that? humans like sometimes it shows how things in the future would be way way different and how people would be in the future when they were on this big cruise liner, this cruise ship, like a sea cruise, but only it's a space cruise called the Axiom, when they were in the hover chairs and not moving physically, it shows that the more they did that, the the less healthy they got. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's kind of an interesting statement to make because I imagine that a lot of people, when they're watching this movie, they were sitting in theaters in seats eating like popcorn and stuff. <laughs> That's a funny connection yeah so you know i might have been i think it was unintentional but it, it was kind of throwing some shade at the audience i think but i think that's that's part of the point it's we were supposed to relate to it in that way of recognizing ourselves we shouldn't just sit around all the time though we should move a lot of, but ha do it as a balance moderation of of laziness and moving <laughs> I, I, I like that Ezra. that's funny well, I think on that note, those are three movies that had very different original ideas. When the final films came out, there's a lot of differences between that original idea and the final version that we saw. So what kind of common themes between the three films do you see? How the stories were different and there were going to be some additional things that didn't end up becoming, but a couple of them, which did get a sequel or two, some of them did have things they added in the sequels which weren't in the original for some reason i also think uh, something else that i saw in common is that all of these ideas were originally conceived almost a decade before the movie actually came out and in the case of wreck it ralph it was conceived three decades before yeah and i find that interesting just the way that an idea can take shape over years and years and years before it actually finally turns into something. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And also how Cars was going to have a different story with a different kind of theme compared to what it really ended up being also. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you watch as a story develops and the theme can change so dramatically. Like Cars, the original idea of Cars is just completely different. It has a completely different message than the message that we see in the final version of Cars. Yeah. Okay. So I think that'll be it for this feature presentation. All right, so that will be it for our episode. Thank you for listening. 
before we let you go, I just want to give everyone a reminder that we have a Patreon. If you are a fan of what we do here, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. And also we are on iTunes. And if you are a fan of what we do, consider leaving us a review. So now we have some trivia questions to get to. So first of all, to answer last episode's trivia question, where did the name of Google come from? Google is the name of a really large number, one followed by a hundred zeros. Right. And there's also a number called Googleplex, which is is a number followed by a one followed by a Google of zeros and is largest name number in the world. Yeah. So and that and I guess the idea is that it was supposed to represent how many how much you could search and how many results it could find for you. Yeah. That's the answer to last week's or last episode's trivia question. So now we have a new trivia question for you. So Ezra, what is this week's trivia question? It is, what is the name of the failed virtual reality console from the 1990s that Nintendo made? Yeah, a great question. So if you know the answer, give us a shout either on Facebook or send us an email at animationbeyond at gmail.com. Animation and Beyond is written and produced by Ezra Fieldsmeyer and Casey Cantrell with music by Noam Fieldsmeyer. We'd like to give a big thanks to the family and friends who have supported this podcast. Got a comment, question, or recommendation for future episodes? Let us know by leaving us a comment on our Facebook page or send us an email at animationbeyond at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation Beyond. Bye!